This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in this Wednesday for another great episode of me chatting with some really cool people about the guitar. <laughs> Who had ever thought that you could do that and people would pay attention to it? Well, I did, you know, because I absolutely love the guitar. You can talk about it. I'd love to join in that conversation. But before we get into it, I want to let you know that this program is brought to you by Charlie and John's Premium hand-wound, handmade-in-the-USA guitar strings. Vibrant sound, long-lasting. I absolutely love them. You go to charlieandjohns.com, also available on Amazon. Also, we're brought to you by guitarsforvets.org, an organization that helps veterans with PTSD through the gift of the guitar and music. Go to guitarsforvet.org to see how you can help and be a benefit to someone in need today. All right. So, uh, you know, recently I was at the, uh, the Nashville NAM and, uh, walking around and I just happened to bump into Chris Tapp, who is the, you know, lead singer and guitarist and bassist for the band, The Cold Stairs. Now, if you're not familiar with them, they've got a, a really unique sound. They've got a really unique uh, musical setup. There's only two of them in the band. There's the drummer and then there's Chris. And Chris actually plays uh, the bass parts, the guitar parts, and everything and sings uh, all on his own. There's just the two of them. It's rather interesting uh, to watch, but uh, more so the... Uh, the quality at the end, the product at the end is flat out amazing. Extremely talented guys. And so I ran into Chris, you know, I had the opportunity just to uh, chat with him for a few minutes and see, you know, how the new release was going and, you know, how the band's going and stuff. And of course, they're doing great. Uh, you know, they've got some music that's out now and they've got more that's going to be coming out real soon. But a while back, I had the opportunity to, to really sit down with him and talk to him about the band and about his gear and everything that's going on. And so uh, here you go, man. That's a great band, too. You know, if you're not real familiar with the Cold Stairs, you should be. They're a really great band. They make really great music and uh, extremely talented. So without further ado, as we say here outside of Chicago, you know, <laughs> Chris Tapp. Right here on Guitar Talk with me and Jimmy Warren. Hey, man. How you doing, Chris? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, man. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Can you hear me all right? Oh, yeah. 
I think I would have rather came to your place, man. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> that, that, some good looking gear on the wall in there. Thanks, man. Yeah, I only had 30 ah. years of accumulation. <laughs> I know what that's like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you what, I, I actually covered one of your songs, uh, I don't know, about maybe a year or so ago on a few on a few shows that I had. Awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was weird because uh, my bass player at the time was the one that turned me on to you guys because I, I wasn't familiar with you. And I was like, wow, this, this is really good. Now, now, do you guys have, a, you guys have a bass player, right? But the bass no, 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 it's just, just Brian and I. Yeah. Wow. So are There's, you? Yeah, I was going to say a lot of the, when you listen to a lot of studio tracks, you'll hear bass and I'm just playing bass in the studio. I got it. Um, we got a pretty, I have a kind of an intricate uh, live setup that lets me play the bass and the guitar both without tracking, but whatever I'm playing on the guitar single line gets played on the bass too. So, uh, in the studio, I'll walk it around a little bit, not say exactly with the guitar some of the time, but I try to keep it. I know I got to play it live. So I try to deviate too much from that. Wow. Wow. So, so you have to be pretty much on target. You, you don't have no room to, to experiment <laughs> and play around at all. Zero, zero. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, yeah, I, I, could, I, I couldn't do that. If I mess up, I just messed up for first guitar, second guitar, and and bass. So I used four amps live, and it it's a yeah. I, I I miss I miss having a bass player and another guitar player a lot of times because if you're a little bit off, you know you got somebody to help cover you. But not with not with us, especially for the live thing. I'm if I'm off, I'm we're off. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So I, I'm going to ask, what kind of rig are you, are you going through like a, a, a rolling unit or? No, I use, so my, my signal path goes out of the guitar into a pedal by a company called Delisle pedal, which is uh, just a few hours North of me in Indiana. And when we first started playing, I, I worked on the rig for about, I don't know, a few months to kind of get it started. Originally I was using a laptop with a Ampeg program that would simulate, take the guitar and uh, simulate a, a bass sound, which was a freaking nightmare with that laptop. Um, but anyway, eventually where I'm at now is I go out of the guitar into a pedal that has uh, one input, four outputs. The first output goes to uh, a regular guitar amp and 440. I'm using a, either a Friedman Dirty Shirley or a Fender Twin. The second amp goes, second path goes out to another amp that's one octave down. So that gives me a second octave. Third path out gives me a, a duplicate, which can either be octave down or standard. Then the fourth one out goes to a couple pedals and then into a bass rig. So by the time it hits the bass rig, it's actually a, um, you know, it's a full bass sound. I've tried before if hitting the, you can't hit the front of the bass amp and it not already be right. It just doesn't sound good or it bounces back and forth between octaves. So, um, it took me a while to really get the rig fixed up right, but it, it hits now. So I always explain it to the sound guy when we're coming in, think of us like ACDC, um, Angus Malcolm and, and the bass player, uh, the bass comes in and out, the bass will hit and bridges and choruses and to be out a lot of time in the verses. And I supplement where the bass would be with one of those other guitar amps, you know? 
So it, it has a good dynamics lab, but when it's all on, a lot of times you'll hear four full octaves of one note. Uh, so it's massive, you know, sounding. That, that, that explains a lot because your sound is big, you know, coming off of your guitar. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big sound. So how did you fall into doing that? Was it just like you were just going to be a solo guy and you had to be able to do all this stuff yourself? or no i didn't want to do it at all really uh, <laughs> and, and even looking back now i'm thinking i, I wonder sometimes how in the hell did I, we get there i figured that out we were in another band before this one that was doing really well and that was a four-piece band and i just played guitar and sang. i didn't even play lead really in that band and um we had we got really close to a couple record deals we did some showcases and i thought for sure we had one and it fell through. And when it did, I was like, yeah, I'm done with that. So, um, I actually, I was, I, I was done playing. I thought, well, I'll, I'll play every now and then with some friends or at church or whatever, or, you know, but I was done playing. And then we had a buddy of ours that had a local gig, um, about six months after that. And my drummer and I, Brian and I had gotten together and just jammed and just had a couple of beers. And the guy, that we're friends with said, Hey man, would you guys just come and open for us? He says, nobody's going to be here anyway. And, uh, and I, I was adamant about not doing it. I said, no, you know, I don't, I'm not ever going to be in another band again. I'm done. And he said, well, you know, and at the time, I think I can't remember what was going on. Maybe I may have been job wise needing the money, but he was like, that's yeah, 350 bucks. And at the time that seemed like a lot of money. So I was like, all right, man, we'll do it. And, um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to get a bass player or ask somebody to sit in with us. Cause if I did that, it meant that we were actually starting a band. So I told Brian, I was like, man, let me see if I can figure out a way to, uh, just make it sound like it more bassy for that night. And I, th that's when I came up with the original rig. And when we did that, man, it just took off. I mean, literally from the first gig that we played, um, we started having a little bit of success and, doing well and so i just had to figure it out from there but wasn't ever anything intentional i never did love i love the songwriting for bands like black keys and white stripes that were just two-piece but sonically i hated it you know i'll always got i gotta have that bottom end i gotta feel that bass in there for it to be rock and roll to me really um so we had to figure i had to figure out how to do that do it you know do it properly but and we've played it, it works on big stages maybe even a little bit better than small stage in a, in a, in a small club, I can really get a lot of volume off the amps too to supplement the, the mains. And it, it sound, you know, it sounds a wall of sound, but that's why people a lot of times will say we, we might sound like Sabbath at times because a lot of those lines have to be unison. I don't have the, the luxury of playing chords and, and different bass notes at the same time. Yeah. Wow. That's really crazy. So do you plan on, uh, you know, adding a bass player at some time? Because your your original thought was, I don't want to add a bass player because I don't want to have a band. Yeah. But now you got a band and you're having success. Yeah. So is it something that you've com contemplated for down the road? or We have we have uh, brought in a couple times some great, great guys and a couple uh, well-known bass players uh, to try it and, and thought that we – I mean, as a guitar player, especially in the last 10 years, I've just really, I've always loved the guitar, but I'm, I really enjoy playing guitar and I'd love to have a bass player or an organ 
even if we had an organ player that can cover that lower end mm-hmm. where I could play some solo stuff. But um, we might at some point. I think another thing is that we've been playing 10 years, and I'm sure you know this as well. It's hard to keep four guys together, three guys together for 10 years, you know, and, and keep working. Brian and I have had a pretty good relationship that we could play and not have issues. It's a small package when we go on the road. It's a small footprint, you know. Um, it would be nice to add another guy. That adds another hotel room. That adds another, you know. So it's been pretty pretty easy on us to be a two-piece. And I think the times that we have added um, or talked about it, like with the label or whatever, they so you know, well, that's kind of your thing, you know. You, I don't think it's as surprising to a crowd if we walk up with three people and create the amount of sound that we do with two that's yeah. benefited us, you know, as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can understand too, that now that people are, well, I don't want to say used to it, but the forgive the word, I'm going to say the nostalgia of it because you yeah. know, it's unique, you know, to do that, you know, there's not a whole lot of people that do do it. So, but, so I would think that, that, that aspect of it would make it hard as well to go to a full band you know what yeah. i mean it's like the beatles pulling in a keyboard player yeah you, you know what i mean it, you know it doesn't matter and we're not that we're not that big of a band i always put it in perspective i mean if we were the if like the when the black keys kind of went from a two-piece to a they had a four-piece and they kind of changed their sound a little bit it, it almost feels like a lot of the other bands that i grew up listening to that when they change you're like Ah, it's not the same anymore, you know, and, and mm-hmm. we don't have a, we don't have anywhere near that kind of fan base, but the fan base we, we have is, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll correct me on songs a lot of times. So <laughs> I'm sure we would get some kickback of you guys, you know, you guys got a record deal and changed and you're not the same. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Brian's more against adding another player, yeah. but he's not having to cover two guitars and a bass, you know, and so I would enjoy it sometime. I think probably I'll end up, we'll end up doing some side projects. Maybe we'll do a project with a bass player. I'd love to have an organ player that could sing if anybody's hearing this. And that would be, you know, if I could have some backup vocals and we could have some organ where we would fill out the bottom end, like when Jimmy Vaughn does those trios with guitar and and organ, man, I love that. So, yeah. Yeah. Are are you located in Indiana? Cause I heard you say, yeah. Yeah. So you, do you know Chris Grove? No, I don't think so. Chris Grove was the keyboardist for Eddie Money for a really long time. Oh wow, wow. He's o- he's over in Indiana, not uh, over by Hammond somewhere. Very cool. Yeah. I'm in he. So that would be the northern part. I'm in. I am the very southern tip of Indiana. I grew up oh, in. Okay. I grew up in Kentucky, which is literally seven, six, seven miles south of where I'm, where oh, I live okay. now in Indiana. Oh, so if you draw if you draw a line from Nashville to Indianapolis, you, you I'm two and a half hours north of Nashville, Tennessee. So oh, that's really, bad. really southern part of Indiana. Yeah. So you guys are on Mascot, is that correct? Yes. And how long yeah. have you been on Mascot? Is this your first release on Mascot, or are the it other is ones? okay? Yeah, this is our first. This is our first go round with them. We just signed with them um, a couple months ago and then we were kind of back and forth about how we're going to do the releases. So we kind of kept it under, under lid, but we just announced that last week. And then, uh, April 29th, we'll announce the the album with them. 
Right. And so, so the, the one that's, it's just a single though. Hard times is just a single, yep. correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. And that's, and that's through uh, mascot. Well, congratulations on that. I know it's a great label. They've got yeah. a, ton, a ton of great artists. They, they, they are a really good fit for us right now. We yeah. we've kind of gone back. We've been on a couple different labels and we've kind of gone back and forth with a few, but the A&R guy, Ron Berman there, um, you know, he, I think he was instrumental in Nickelback signing at Roadrunner. He's been around forever. And we've kind of been friends and talking for, I guess, close to 10 years now. We, we originally had a production deal with uh, Mark Needham. And part of that deal was we were recording some songs with Mark and then Mark was pitching them to some different record labels. And Mascot had some interest way back then. And at the time, we just it didn't feel it didn't feel right. It it feels right now. The group that they have, the the artists that they've been releasing, just you know, it, it's the same. It's the same type stuff that we're doing. So, it's yeah. a good fit. Yeah, and and one of the things that's really nice about Mascot, from my perspective, is they've got a stable of a lot of great guitar players. Yeah, you know, a lot of great guitar players are on that. You know, uh, from from all aspects, from the virtuoso guys, you know, like Eric Johnson and so forth. Uh, you know, well, to you, man, you know, you're yeah. a great player in your own right. You know, as well, your music's, you know, it's outstanding in that. So, if if somebody's tuning into this and they don't know much about your band and they don't know much about this uh, this new uh, single that you got out, what would you want them to know about you? in your music? Um, you know, I think if you're a fan of, of, you know, we throw that blues rock term around and that, that umbrella really does everybody from, you know, Jared James and, and Kenny Wayne Shepard, Joe, and, uh, you know, it covers a lot of people to me that that term is really like goes back to free and Zeppelin and, and that type of stuff, just stuff that's influenced by the blues but that's such a wide variance that, um, you know, it's kind of, I would say that we are a, a rock band, blues rock band um, with blues influences, but we're a little bit um, different in that it's a little bit more story song based, I think, and a little bit more, um, you know, focus on cutting our own path as far as that goes. But um, I would say if you're a fan of the black crows and, and the black keys and, and blues rock in general, you would like us. I'd also say if you're a fan of uh, songwriting, it's like, you know, anywhere from Dylan to Johnny Cash, if you like story songs and stuff like that, I think you'd find a home with us too. So, yeah. Now, do you have uh, any information on your website, which looks amazing? I don't know who did your website, but they did a damn good I job. I did that almost great. 10 almost ten years ago. At that website, We've had that website for a while, and I, and I just – we, I was working with a, a programmer buddy of my brother's and uh, we did pretty good on it from the start. So I hadn't changed it yet. So thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I look at a, a million websites, you know, yeah. uh, on a daily basis sometimes and you know, some of them are so generic in that, you know, just, but yours is really, it pops out at you. I mean, that whole design, it almost looks like, I know carnival pirate, kind of yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool i was watching uh, i was watching that carnival show on hbo when we did that website and i was addicted to that and deadwood at the same time i'm a history guy so anything that's kind of old like that i love so yeah that's where yeah. that came from 
So what I was what I was going to ask is: Is there some place that people can go, guitar players can go, to learn more about your rig, how you set up your rig, and how you uh, do that? Do you have yeah. anything on YouTube or? I haven't, and I've been getting requests for the last couple of years to do a rig rundown type thing, and we we almost did one with. Um, one of the guitar magazines last year before all this stuff happened. I need to probably do that. You know, when I first started, when we first started playing, it was so different than what anybody else was doing that I would really try to keep it hid, you know, exactly how I was doing it in so much. I'd paint some of the pedals. So, cause I'd have guys come up at shows and, you know, they're looking at the pedals and what is it, what does this do? And, um, I was trying to keep it, you know, keep it kind of quiet. I think now there's so many, uh, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm, if somebody asked me about it and they're thinking about doing something, I'm just, I'm so glad that somebody else is going to be playing rock and roll. I'm glad to share it. So, yeah. um, I need to do, I need to do something like that to kind of show it out. My, my rig, uh, that part of the rig usually stays the same. I have a lot of things that rotate in and out, but that set up, hopefully we got a YouTube channel that's just now starting to take off. So I'll probably do something like that for the YouTube channel. Yeah, that that'd be really cool because I know people would. That. Now, uh, when it comes to your guitar, and, um, what what's your go to? You know, what is it that you? Uh... I have two. I have. Um, I brought them up here just in case. So these okay. are uh, these are very cool Fender Meteoras, um, and they are. Uh, I got, I got two of them. So uh, 2019, um, we were in Los Angeles for some shows and, uh, I had gotten contacted by Fender and was talking back and forth with some of those guys. And they said, Hey, you know, we, I was playing some, I was playing, I've always played all kinds of guitars, but I've always loved Fender and, uh, had opportunity to do like an endorsement type deal with an artist deal. So I was like, yeah, you know, and I went to the factory and when I did, we were doing a tour. And when we went to the custom shop, um, this body, just the body was sitting on a table. And one of the guys that, uh, that I met was, uh, Javier Cuba. And he, he's the head of the team part of the, of the custom shop. Um, uh, and he was giving us a tour. I said, what is that? He said, well, it's, uh, it's going to be a meteora. It's one of the ones that they did for the parallel universe. You know, it's like a, mm. they do those mix, mix match stuff. And, uh, I said, that's really, that's really cool, man. And I've always been a fan of, uh, you know, it's, if you say strat, I always think of Clapton and Hendrix. If you say Les Paul, you know, it's, it's costs off and page. Um, I'm a lover of when things get associated with people, but, for me that, you know, for guys like me that came along later, uh, it's all been used, <laughs> you know, unless you're, <laughs> unless you're doing a, a Parker flyer or doing something, you know, that yeah, it's so hard to find things. That, so when I saw this, you know, I, I hadn't really seen anybody playing them. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe that, yeah, that's a cool opportunity to, to have something that's a little bit more unique to me. And he was, he was so cool. The Fender guys were like, man, if you, if you want to finish that guitar with Javier and kind of tell him what your specs would be and work it out, you know, do that. And so I went through the process of working uh, with him back and forth, just telling him what I kind of liked and what I didn't. And 
uh, I got it about three months later and it's been my number one. It's, um, yeah, it's got the Billy Gibbons style, uh, TV Jones in it. So they're super hot. Right. And, and the Bigsby, um, uh, it weighs, it's, it's like, uh, six and a half pounds, super, wow. super light, but it's yeah. got the big headstock. So you gotta, yeah. you've got that, uh, you know, it just gives a little bit, you don't have a whole lot of break on the strings here. Um, so it's super slinky, but anyway, so that's been my number one. Um, if you see us playing live, you're going to see one of those guitars I had put in. Uh, I loved it so much. You know how you get with guitars. I was, I loved it so much. I was like, I'm selling every damn thing else I got and I'm just going to play, you know, those, um, but I put in an order for another one and then they just finished this one, um, a couple of weeks ago. So this is a white version. They had never done a relic. So he's like, that's, and I saw that before it was relic. And I was like, Oh man, are you sure we want to do that? And, but they never done a relic. So this one's uh, about the same weight. It's a little bit bigger neck. Um, you got the reverse headstock again, but this one has, uh, EVA chumbuckers. So it's super hot. Mm -hmm. Still have the big speed on it and stuff, but, um, it feels saddles. Yeah. Yeah. It feels when it's strapped on, uh, it feels like a strap, you know, it kind of wraps to your body, the contours and stuff. Um, and it's super comfortable, but, but it, it sounds and the sustain is like a lead is like a, a Les Paul and a jazz master mix. You have those overtones that you get with a big spear or a floating uh, bridge, but it has the the thickness, you know, of a Les Paul, which I really need to push to push my rig. I got to have something kind of heavy. So it's been perfect. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a gorgeous guitar right there. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank and you. I kind of figured the first one had the TV Jones on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's a nice looking yeah. guitar and that. So, okay, so so tell so tell me when is the uh, new album going to come out? The one I'm asked, Scott. So it, you, we you guys have, have a date yet? Yeah, August thirteenth. We have four singles between now and August thirteenth that'll be released, um, and it will come out August thirteenth. You know how how it is these days. Everything kind of trickles out, and yeah. I'd love for it to be an album. Just drop it now, and then drop another album in August. The way that you know we like to write. I'm like, I I can give you another record by then. But it is smart. Probably it gives us something to talk about every month, and you know, right? Yeah, and it, and it keeps people, you know, it keeps people on the line. You know, they yeah. they stay on the line because if you're just dropping things, I I did an album in uh, it was my ninth one. It was in t- late 2019. I went in the studio with uh, Walter Trout's band and recorded one, and I was gonna release it in March of 20, and then I was gonna you know tour it, and of course you know everything fell apart. And so that's exactly yeah. what I did was I just released singles. Yeah, and it seems to be the thing that everybody's doing, you know. Yeah, I think if uh, just looking at the algorithms, if you don't put out something every six to eight weeks, you know, your numbers just start to dwindle a little bit. So um, I think it's as a listener, it's fun for me when I get an email every 
few weeks or whatever. It's one of my favorite bands has a new song. So I get it like that, but I'm old school, man. I, I, I like to listen to a full record, you know, full album too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you, would you, would you say that the uh, market is just oversaturated because anybody with a laptop, anybody with a computer at home, you know, can make an album. They can release it on Spotify or wherever. And uh, it just seems like there's just so much music. There's just so much inundated out there. Because if you go through like I do, because I, I scour looking for guitar players, you know, to, to I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm probably an idiot that way. But I, I come across all these guys, you know, got 32 listeners four listeners, 12 listeners, you know, on Spotify and that, and they got yeah. really, really great, great music, but there's so many of them out there. So do you think that that could play into the fact that your numbers would go down because there's just so much yeah. out there? I think that our, uh, attention span as listeners, um, uh, with the advent of the phone and everything else is going on. I mean, people are, people are going so fast right now and, and, and just kind of glancing at things and, the, and Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff, we sit here and scroll. And, um, I think that's part of it. You know, you have to kind of stay in people's face. You have to show up in their feeds. You have to do that. Uh, the market is definitely saturated. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think it's, it's good and bad. It's, it's bad. Um, that there's so much out there. Sometimes it's hard to sift through stuff to find what you would want to listen to or what you're going to associate with. The good news of that is, you know, um, if we were a band in the eighties, then if you didn't have a record deal, if you didn't have a lot of money behind you, you, you would have never gotten noticed or heard it all. So it kind of, it, it does level the playing field a little bit to allow everybody to have an opportunity. At least, you know, I feel like if, if you're, if your band is good, if your, if your music's good and you're going to work, you know, if you're going to hustle, then you can get heard, you know, and then whether it takes off from there is, is one thing or another, but, um, you can also be fantastic. And if you don't hustle, you're not going to get anywhere either. So, but I'm kind of like you, I'm always looking for somebody new. I, I, I find a lot of people, uh, new that I'm listening to either on YouTube or Instagram and I'm, Hey, where's this person? You know, what's their, what's their, their deal. Um, but I don't know how you are. I also find a lot of guitar players or singer songwriters on Instagram or something. And I'll see it on there. I think it's great. And then I go listen to the record. And I think it's horrible. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, we're, we're so interested in putting together 30 second clips or minute clips of us playing great guitar stuff, but then we're not really focused on making great records or great songs. A lot of us. So, um, I hate that aspect of it. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point though. You know, because a lot of people are, you know, just eager to get something out there. They just want somebody to hear, you know, what they, what they have, or they're just putting some out there just to put something out there, you know, because yeah. they can. So what would you say, you know, you, you've gone, you, you know, you've done the, the work in order to get where you are in order to get signed with mascot and, you know, some of the gigs that you got and, and so forth. What would you tell somebody that was, you know, trying to achieve the same things? You, you mentioned some of the key things, you know, like hard work and, and things of that nature. But, um, what do you think are, are some, some really key things that uh, either a guitarist or a band, would need to do in order to, to get hurt, you yeah. know, in order to get to that spot. 
Um, I think if you want to be a successful um, band or artist or guitar player or whatever else right now, uh, you got to learn how to, you got to learn Photoshop. You got to learn how to make videos. You got to learn how marketing works. You got to learn uh, how to be told no uh, and, and not get a chip on your shoulder. You have to, it, it's, I wish it was just about guitar playing, you know, and I'm sure um, you look at a guy, you know, uh, you look at, you can look at a couple people that maybe got noticed when they were young that, that were really, really good. And then they got a machine behind them to help. But for most people, uh, I mean, I hear you, we, we all hear these conversations. Who's the greatest guitar player in the world. I can tell you right now, there's three guys in the town I live in that are better than I am. But they don't, they're working in a factory or they're, they've got two kids yeah. and they, they're committed fathers. And, you know, um, so a lot of it is, is how hard you're going to work at it. And that work requires a lot of other things, unfortunately, other than guitar skills or songwriting mm -hmm. skills. Um, we had for the first five years that we played, we booked every show that we played. Uh, we load our own gear. We still load our own gear. Um, you know, I made all the concert posters that we did. We made our own website. Uh, we learned how to, you know, do ads and, um, you know, we never, we never took no for an answer. And I think that's a big part of it too, on how successful you're going to be. We early on, we were talking with a guy named, uh, Andy McLennan, who was head of, uh, an offshoot of Warner brothers in Nashville. And I can't remember, they were the only rock and roll label really in Nashville. And, and I tried to get a, I tried to mail them a tape, never got there. And we, we took it to down there and they had an armed guard outside the record label. And you couldn't even get in there. So I had a buddy that worked for UPS. I got a UPS uniform and I showed up one day with a package in a UPS <laughs> uniform and took it in there. And, and, uh, I followed it up with a, we didn't even have email then. I didn't have an email. We said, I sent him a long fax, you know, to tell him what I did. And he called me, you know, yeah. and if you, you to be that dedicated to something and to work that hard at it, you do have to believe it, yeah. you know, and you, you do have to say, okay, I mean, I'm not 21 anymore. I, I don't have grandeur of being the next TikTok guy or whatever else you have to know who you are and, and, and then you have to go, you know, I believe in this part of what I'm doing enough that I'll, you know, I'm going to fight for it. Luckily I had my dad, my grandparents, you know, were cool early on and kind of instilled in me that I was doing pretty good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, uh, all those things that you mentioned are just so vital now in order to be able to, to make it, you know, because there's so many people like, like now, you know, agents and managers and labels and stuff like that. They don't look at bands sometimes until they've had an amount oh, yeah. of success, you know, and if you don't have that amount of success, well, then, you know, they're going to move on to somebody that does because the days of development and all that are, you know, yeah. they're long gone, they're long gone in that. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to be able to, you know, create the visuals and the ads and stay on it is man hats off to you. You know, that was genius putting on the <laughs> UPS and that's probably why the guy called you, you know, was, we, we had, we had so many, we had so yeah. many things like that over the years. 
Yeah. Um, you know, but we, we early on, we had a couple songs that we just, you know, we really believed in and, um, we just, you know, we, th- I thought this was, this is the closest we're going to get to having a chance at doing something where I'm going to fight as hard as I, as we can for it. But yeah, I wish it was, we're getting to the point, the team at mascot man is so amazing. And uh, the group of people that we're working with, and we, we've finally got, we got a great agent for Europe and we have a good agent here in the States. And so it's, it's getting closer to a point where I can just concentrate on writing and doing yeah. that and give some of that stuff up, which I'm really looking forward to, you know, oh, to yeah. getting to that point. That's the part we all hate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cause that's what you got into this for was to play guitar and to yeah. make music and that, you know, when you have to spend 98% of your time focused on the business aspect, trying to move it from point A to point B. Yeah. It makes it so makes it so difficult. Well, you guys are doing a great job, man. You really are. You make great music. It sounds great. Um, you know, I can't wait to hear the whole album. I really can't. I I really enjoyed the video for for uh, the hard times. It was a great video. So you, are man. you are you producing the videos yourself or did we have a buddy here in town uh, named Alex Morgan, who's been a friend of ours and was a fan of ours when we first started. And we do the videos with him. You know, he does a he's kind of learning some of the things as as we've gone along. We've done a couple of videos with him. And that's an, that's another aspect of the whole thing is you can't do something. Find a friend that can, you know, and, <laughs> and recruit him. And uh, but he's yeah. he's gotten he's gotten really good. He does uh, a lot of metal stuff with like Gojira and, and some some heavy bands too. And he's a great photographer. So we, we try to. It's one thing my dad told me early on that kind of stuck with me is is the one thing that you do have control over is who you work with. You know, yeah. there's if you have an opportunity, if I'm going to have to pay somebody to do something. I want to pay a friend or somebody that, you know, I want to work with. If, if we're going to, like we did that guitar giveaway, uh, leading up to the thing, if I'm going to pay for advertising rather than give it to Facebook, I'd, I'd much rather do it as a guitar giveaway, you know, or, or something we can give back to our fans or so. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, I appreciate, uh, the opportunity to chat with you today about your, you know, about the band and about your gear and that. And, uh, I wish you all the success, man. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, no, it was an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to hear it. I really do enjoy the music. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate it, man. All right, take care, buddy, okay? All right, man. See you. All right. All right, there you go. That was Chris Tapp from The Cold Stairs. You can uh, learn out more about them at thecoldstairs.com. I know they've got dates, and they're on the road right now, and they're playing, and I know they've got new music out, so there's a lot going on. So make sure uh, that you're following him. I want to thank uh, Chris for the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with him. It was a, it was a pleasure to get to know him. And once again, you know, I, I'm personally a fan of their music. I really enjoy what they do. So, okay. Now, next week, oh, wow. Next week, uh, I got my new friend from the UK, AJ Mills. He's the guitarist for KK Downing. We all know K.K. Downing from Judas Priest. He left Judas Priest, started his own band called K.K.'s Priest, and uh, A.J., you know, is now the guitar player. Come to find out, 
AJ has known KK, you know, ever since he was a very, very young lad. He's been mentored by KK over the uh, years, and now he's a part of his band. And so I think that's really, really cool. So AJ Mills from KK's Priest with KK Downing is going to be here uh, next Wednesday. So you definitely don't want to miss out on it. You know what? We're coming up towards the close of the year. You know, I say that in, in <laughs> it's not even August yet, but it feels that way to me because I look at my calendar for Guitar Talk and it's full. You know, I'm already, you know, got dates booked into January of next year, you know, and so to me, I feel like I'm working in next year already, but uh, there are so many great people that are going to be coming on the show uh, here in the very, very near future. I got Steve Hackett from Yes, I got Brent Mason, the number one picker in Nashville, is going to be on the program. We got Elliot, Elliot Michael from Rumble Seat uh, Music in Nashville. We also got George Grun uh, or Gruen, however you want to pronounce it, from uh, Grun Guitars in Nashville as well. That's going to be here. We got uh, Mark Farner from Grand Funk Railroad. I mean, I could go on. You all know it. You just go to guitartalkofficial.com. And you can see everybody that's coming on and, uh, and of course, listen to the archives of shows from the past. And that, you know, I'm really thankful that my video machine is working again. I've got my editing bay back up. And so now I'm able to put out the, the videos as uh, we do them. So, uh, so that's really cool. So hopefully you get to see the, the interviews as well as just listen to them here on the podcast. Uh, we've got a lot of great gear demos going on. We're doing uh, pedals from LPD pedals, from Analog Effects, from Carl Martin, from uh, Rowan. Uh, man, we just got a lot of stuff going on. So uh, go to guitartalkofficial.com. Make sure that you uh, register you know, uh, to the uh, site so that you get our newsletter once a month so you know everything that's going on. Okay, I appreciate you tuning in today and, uh, you know, look forward to being with you next week with my guest, A.J. Mills, the guitarist for K.K. Downing's K.K.'s Priest. Till then, see you later.